0: I mean, like, not like, not like, oh, there's a closet here or something. No, I mean like there was nothing else in the room except for a pile of clothes that was as tall as me. Now, this is like five, six-year-old me, so I probably wasn't that tall, but still, it had nothing but a giant pile of clothes. We went into another room, and it was nothing but magazines, magazines and newspapers stacked taller than me all throughout the room. You could hardly get through anything. There was stuff like this all over the place. He had so much material that it had spilled out into his yard, and so his yard was filled up with all kinds of clutter, all kinds of stuff. He could hardly move through the house. Part of the reason I remember the house, though, is not because we stopped by once and and, and talked to the gentleman, but because it seemed like no matter who I was writing with, the people that were old enough to remember always said the same thing when we drove by the house. And they'd always look at the house and they'd say, that used to be the prettiest house in town. And it was always hard to believe. The paint was chipping off. There was, there was stuff just all over the place. But you see, and I'm not sure the backstory, but at one point in time, there was a woman that lived in this house. And she kept it in pristine shape. She would have flowers all over the yard, all the way leading up to the house. There was absolutely nothing else except for her flowers and her flower bed. And her house was was in pristine shape, well-painted, well-cared-for, well-maintained. Everything had a place, and she knew where it was. And it was a comparison of two opposites. One hand, the hoarder, Everything was everywhere, but it was all clutter. And on the other hand, you had the one where everything was in pristine shape, nothing extra, only what was necessary. And you know, I think about that, and I think that's the two extremes, isn't it? The two extremes, visualized in one house that we would drive by on our way into town. But you know, we don't live necessarily in the extreme, but yet I bet All of us right now could think of something that really we probably don't need, but it's in our house, and we're probably thinking right now, boy, I wish I could, you know, declutter that. I I have to admit, even when I bring that up, the first thing that comes to my mind is several boxes that are in our basement that moved here with us that are still in the boxes. I think after seven and a half years, I just don't need that anymore. I think it's pretty safe to say I don't use that. But yet there it is, taking up space, clutter right there in a corner, clutter in a spot. How many of us have stuff all over our house that we could really think about, we could could really use time to declutter? But it's not just our house. How many of you get hundreds of emails a day and you only use one, maybe two, maybe two of them are important. The rest of them, where do they come from? What about text messages? How many of us have text messages that we probably need to get to, but we have to get past all of those other promo deals and this, that, and the next thing that we're all receiving all day long in our schedules? How many of us wish we could just have a little extra time in our schedule? but it just won't work. We have so much stuff that we've got to run here, and then we've got to run there, and then we've got to run somewhere else. We have clutter all over our lives. It's become big business. You can hire people to come and help you to declutter your life. It's big business and shows. You can go watch TV shows on how to declutter your house or to declutter your schedule. Tonight, as we continue our walk, we run into another witness of Christ, Our witness this evening is Mary, Mary, the sister of Lazarus, the sister of Martha. The biblical definition of the declutterer, that's who she is. At least in tonight's story, that's who she is, the declutterer. But how do you get such a title? I I can barely say the title, but how do you get such a title? And you get such a title because you change one word. For that's what Mary does. Mary changes one word. And the word is get. Get is one of those words that all too often causes confusion and ultimately causes clutter. Get. You get ahead. You get back. You get even. You even get revenge. You get But Mary tonight, she changes that word. She changes the word not to get, but to give. Mary gives extraordinarily. Mary gives extravagantly. Mary gives of herself, and she gives of her finance. She gives of what she owns and has. Mary takes the get, and she turns it into give. And it makes all the difference in the world. Now, the context for all of this takes place with John 11. In John 11, we find out that Lazarus has died. He's been dead for four days. To be blunt about it, even the text says he is probably starting to smell. They've closed the tomb. Yet Jesus calls him. Jesus calls him. And by the very word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Lazarus rises from the dead and comes out of the tomb. Lazarus is alive. Lazarus has been resurrected from the dead. And because of this, this becomes the the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. The chief priests, the elders, the scribes, they've had enough. They've had enough. People are leaving. They are beginning to follow Jesus. And if they don't do something now to stop him, he might just gain too much power. And they simply cannot have that. And so they begin the process to plot to kill Jesus. But it's more than that. It's so much more than that. You see, because they want to cover their tracks, You can't can't leave the evidence of what Jesus did out for everybody to see. You have to get rid of that as well. And so Lazarus, he's got to go. He's a visual reminder to everybody of what Christ has done. And so they plot to kill Lazarus as well. And in the midst of this, Christ and Lazarus, both with a price on their head, Mary comes in. And she brings perfume, ointment, and she begins to anoint the very feet of Christ. Wiping off the ointment with her hair. This is ointment that's worth over 300 denarii. And to put it, put it in our day terms, a common laborer received one denarii a day. One denarius a day. 300 denarii. This is worth... Almost a year's wage. She gives. She gives. Judas is there. Judas sees this and he has a problem with it. He speaks up. Why wasn't this this ointment sold and the money given to the poor, to those that are in need? And it sounds all well and good, but the text tells us he doesn't care about the poor. He doesn't care about the needy. Judas is a thief. Judas wants, he gets. He wants to get ahead. He wants to get extra money. He wants to get what he feels is his due. Judas is all about getting. And Mary is all about giving. And what a powerful statement this is. In fact, this is told in all four of the Gospels. But yet, in the other Gospels, there's another point that's, that's added. And that's this. That any time the Gospel of Jesus Christ, His life story is told, is proclaimed, this story goes with it. You see, Mary Mary is doing something really important. She is preparing Jesus for his death. In a lot of ways, Mary gets the passion of Christ. She gets what Christ is about to do better than his disciples. Even though his disciples have been following, them, following Jesus this whole time, and he's been telling them, they still think that this whole passion thing, this whole death on the cross thing, is kind of a metaphor for something else. But Mary gets it. And so she starts to prepare him for his passion. And she does it in the way that she can, by using perfume, a powerful, potent, expensive perfume. You know, they say, they say that when you read a book and you read, it, it, it goes into the cognitive area of your mind. But the smell, smell is different. Smell goes into the part of our brain associated with emotions, it's part of the reason that when we, when we have a smell that we're familiar with, it triggers those things, not just, not just some memory of facts, but the actual emotions that we experienced at the time that maybe we first came across that smell or that memory. And that's what Mary is doing, a potent reminder. Reminder. That Jesus is going to the cross, that Jesus is going into Jerusalem, he's going to the cross, and ultimately what we know now, and he's doing it all for us, for you and for me. And because of that, it really does change our lives, our worlds. It changes all of our gifts into gifts. You see, through Christ Jesus, we have received the forgiveness of our sins. We have received the redemption of the very work of Christ. We have received that through Christ Jesus. And through our faith in Him, we have been given that. We've already got it. We don't need to work for it. We don't need to work to try to receive it. It's ours. It's done. And because of that... We get the joy of walking out in faith and giving. When we go out to do good works, we do them for the sake of our neighbors. We give to our neighbors. We get to go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We get to give the gospel message to those that are around us. Because Christ has given us so much, we get to walk out in Christian faith And we get to give. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.